Today we're launching something new, gearing up towards Easter, uh, victory, a new life awakens. And I'm excited about this because, you know, we, we preach a lot of messages and we talk about a lot of things, um, but I'm really excited when we get to talk about the gospel. You're like, well, I thought you'd do that every time you're at church. Well, we do, but we don't. Um, we don't always talk about, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sometimes that's just part of what we know as Christians, and, and sometimes we just don't stop and, and really focus on those steps. And so we're going to do that for the next couple, couple weeks here, and, and we're going to have some cool things that, that Jesus dealt with, temptation and culture and these kinds of things, and how new life impacts our approach to these things. So I'm excited you're here. You don't want to miss any of these weeks. I'm not going to do like we did for our story and said you can't miss because when we did that, all kinds of people got sick <laughs> and people had a hard time getting here. We had work trips, so, so we, we, we're not going to do that this time. So um, we're going to be talking about this and, and I believe that the new life that Christ brings to us when we find Christ in our, in our heart and in our life, it changes us. It changes how we view things. It changes what we, how we interact with people. It changes, it changes who we are at our very core. And, and it's not instantaneous. This, this new life, uh, you know, when we come to Christ and we find him, it's a journey. It's a process when he works on us. And our conversion is not an instant moment. Our conversion is our life. We learn that we're not like Christ, and we learn how to become like Christ. And pretty soon, you know, we do our best, and God helps us, and His Spirit lives in us, and we start to bear fruit. And people start to recognize there's something different about that person because they have something in them, and we all know what that is, and that is the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. So we're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. And so today, I'm just going to lay a little foundation, a little groundwork on the promise of new life and what it means to you and I. So I just want to start by uh, starting at the beginning, right? Jesus made a promise to every person. In John 10, 10, it said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, or one version says, to have it to the full. To live a life that is full, completing who you are supposed to be and what God called you to be and the person that God designed you to be. You are meant to live out that to the fullest. How many know the four things that we do around here, right? The first of those things is to help people know Christ. And that's what we're doing this morning. If you do not know Jesus the way we're talking about or the way the scripture uh, teaches, then this is your moment to experience that. In Acts chapter 2, this was the, the moment when Jesus had ascended into heaven. The disciples were in the upper room. They were waiting because that was the last instruction that Jesus gave them. Wait for me. I'm going to send my spirit to you. So they're in the upper room. They don't know what's going to happen. They're unsure of their future. They're sitting there. They're praying. They're waiting. And then there's this moment where there is a huge spiritual interaction with them. The Bible describes it as a, a sound of a mighty rushing wind that moved into the room. And they were filled with the spirit of God. And so that was such a moment for them because that was the, that was the transitional moment from when Jesus was physically with them to when Jesus was gone and said, don't worry, I'll give you power to continue my work. And so that moment was big for them. And so they started experiencing this fantastic move of God's spirit and it just kind of spilled out and people are like, what is going on in that room, right? And so Peter, one of the disciples, begins to explain what is happening. And one of the things he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, he says, I want you guys to understand that this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off for as many or for whomever the Lord our God will call. Amen. 
That is the promise that Jesus made to us. The goal was to help redeem a fallen man. When he created us, he did not create us to live in bondage. When he created man, he did not create us to live under, under uh, grueling pain physically. He did not create us to live with addiction. He did not create us to live and have to go to anger management class. He didn't create us to, to live in broken relationships. That is not how God created us. But sin has a way of destroying the beauty that God creates. And so when he knew this, he saw this, he put a plan in place to redeem us and to give us hope of a new life. And for the next few weeks, ending on Easter, we're going to understand the power Excuse me, and the significance of the resurrection and, and the new life that, that Christ brings to us. We do not have to live in bondage anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to live that way. Amen. What is the gospel? Here's the thing. When Jesus came onto the scene, Jesus came to bring this promise of new life and abundant life to pass. He came to show us there was a better way. He came to live in a society that was broken. And the thing that you have to understand when you look at Scripture and you kind of follow the timeline, when Jesus entered into the scene, the the people did not have a relationship with Christ. They did not have a relationship with their Creator. They did not have the connection that you and I can experience today. They were living under a law that had been so influenced by man's opinion that it became a burden that was una- they were unable to bear. People that made a mistake, they had to pay for their sin. And it wasn't, it wasn't something they could shake off and, and live in forgiveness. They had to live year after year pushing those sins ahead and navigating through this. Man, I can't do this. If I do this, I broke that law. And then when I break this one, I broke another one. And it's just this pressure of trying to be uh, this, this godly person. And they just couldn't do it. And Jesus realized that. So when he entered into this hopeless scene, he came because he knew that we could not live the way we're supposed to live. He tells us to live without sinning, but everybody in this room knows that's not possible, is it? Right? Without Christ, we can't live a righteous life. End of story. As good as your best day is, you can't live without sin. As great as you want to think you are, you're not righteous on your own. And so when he entered into this scene, people carrying this load of sin and shame, trying to measure up, couldn't measure up. There was this hierarchy created of who was spiritual and who wasn't. And if you, if you were born to the right lineage, you were doing better than someone that wasn't. And so it was not equal. It was not open for every man. And so he came into this hopeless situation and he came to breathe life back into man. He came to put meaning and fulfillment to the law. He came to say, look, forget worrying about lists of rules and regulations. Let me work with you and let me write my law in your heart. Let me change you from the inside out, not the outside in. Right? We can do a lot of things to try to be good, but it doesn't change what's inside. But when Jesus came to this earth, he came to awaken something in us that changes that dynamic. Does that make sense to you? The redemptive work of Christ was significant because he came to this earth and he knew that I'm going to live an example, I'm going to teach, but ultimately I'm going to pay the price for every person's sin. I love the, the um, I guess, the, the opposite approach that God tends to take. We think if we're going to be victorious, we're going to wipe out all of our enemies, Right? We think if we're going to overcome something, we're going we're to take over it. But Jesus came from a completely different approach. He, he talked about 
forgiving people. He talked about if, if someone it does you wrong, turn the other cheek. He talks about, he, he, he brought the, they would ask him questions about the law, and he would, he would say, yes, it's true that, that if, if, you, if you commit adultery, that's a sin. But, but what about if you look at a woman the wrong way? What if you harbor that in your heart? Is one worse than the other? He started changing the dynamics of the way they started to view things because he wanted them to understand that to have a true relationship with God, it's got to start in here and then grow itself out of that, right? And so he began to show this and he began to, to realize, in fact, there's a place in the scripture that talks about how that he did not want to face the pain and the suffering of the cross, but he endured it anyway because he knew that that was the only way that he could buy back you and I. There's no greater love story than the story of Jesus Christ and what he did so that you and I could have hope. And so he faced the pain, the suffering, the punishment, all of this. He paid this price so that you and I would not have to live in bondage from our past that steals us of our joy today. He paid this price so that fear and depression that we fight does not have to take the joy and the life out of us. We can live a life of freedom because he willingly laid his life down so that you and I could experience victory and what new life really looks like. That's a big deal. There's a scripture that says, I'm going to paraphrase, but there's a scripture that says you might find someone who's willing to lay down his life for someone that they love dearly. You might find someone that will pay a price uh, to, uh, ultimate, ultimately to save someone that they care about. But Jesus didn't lay his life down for people he just you know, had a great relationship with. He laid his life down for the worst people that humanity has ever seen. He willingly laid his life down for you on your very worst moment in your life. The thing that we'll never understand is the magnitude of God's grace. We will never understand that he will reach regardless of how bad you can become. He will reach to that point to pull you out. There's no sin that's too dirty for Christ. There's a song that Amy sings that talks about how there is nothing that is too filthy that God will not reach into to rescue someone that's locked in that prison. And I'm here to tell you, we, we got to experience it for the last few weeks of hearing people tell their stories. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. What matters is the moment that you have that encounter with Christ and say, you know what? I just need you in my life. That's what makes the difference. And he paid that price so that you don't have to live a life of destructive behavior, of broken relationships, of marriages that are shattered, of families that are ruined. You don't have to live like that. We exist on this corner to help people realize there's a savior and you do not have to live a life that is less than great. (laughs) He's here to bring us life. And on on the last week, we're going to wrap this up on Easter Sunday and Pastor Scott's going to be preaching about this and it's going to be so exciting because that moment when he comes out of the tomb, we're talking about what he paid for us today. We're talking about repentance today. We're talking about the steps to understanding what new life is and how it begins to awaken in us. But on the fourth week when we talk about this, you're going to understand the significance of what happened when Christ rose from the grave. It's a life changer. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 8 
Verse 11, and if the spirit of him, talking about Jesus, who, or talking about God, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Let me tell you, this is it. This is the new life that awakens in us. When we find that there is a better way, when we realize that he is God and we are not and we need a savior, it's at that moment when something awakens in you that sets you on a path to change your future. Not just your future on this earth, but your eternal future. It changes everything. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Maybe you're happy living like you're living. Maybe you're okay with it. Maybe you're okay looking in the mirror and realizing, you know what? I'm a terrible husband. Maybe you look in the mirror and you're fine with that. (laughs) Maybe you look in the mirror and you realize, you know what? I hate everybody except for me. And I'm okay with that. Maybe you're okay. Maybe you enjoy your struggle. Maybe you have found your comfort zone in your state of weakness and addiction and destructive behavior. Maybe you're fine with that. But for the rest of the world who's not okay with that, this is the message of hope. You don't have to live that way anymore. And all the wives clap their hands because their men realize we can be better husbands. Amen, right? God gives us the opportunity to change who we are. And it's really, here's the thing about God's plan. How many of you feel like you understand the Bible? Wow, we got some hands. Well, I'll be the first guy to say, I don't understand the Bible. Because there's so many things in it that are so far beyond, I'm I'm doing something uh, here recently. I started in Genesis and I'm doing this. This, I'm listening to the Bible on my way to work. And there's some stories in the Bible that are just bizarre. There's just some wild stories in the Bible. And I'm listening to it, and I'm trying to engage, and I'm like, dude, if that was happening today, there'd be people in jail because we just don't do that anymore. There's just some crazy stories in the Bible, bizarre things, things that God does that's just like, what was he doing that for? All of that, there's so much. We're packing the, the infinite wisdom of God in a small book, through the eyes of human men, as they penned things that, as God gave them wisdom, and they wrote things down, and those things captured snippets and, and images of God, and who he is, and what he is, and his attributes. And we try to understand it. We try to, we try to pull truth of it. And as we read it, God shows us things, and it expands our knowledge and our understanding. We start to get a better picture of who God is and what he does but we will never be able to wrap our mind around redemption. You'll never be able to understand why God would allow man to become as debased as we can become and yet still love us through that. It doesn't make sense to me. If God wanted perfect people, why didn't he just make perfect people that couldn't mess up? No, he made you and me and said, I'm going to love those guys. Man, I don't know what he was, if he knew what he was asking for, but he got it. (laughs) He gave us the ability to choose between good and evil. And it wasn't his original plan, but man messed it up. And in, in our messing it up, he still loves us through it all. But the beauty about his message is as complex as it is, he gave us such a simple process to follow. 
We don't have to figure out some of these things that Scripture has hidden in there in order to know Jesus. We don't have to know when he's going to come back. We don't have to know how the end time is going to all play out. I don't have to know what the mark of the beast is going to look like. I don't have to know, you know, what the three-headed beast in Revelation. I don't have to know. I don't have to understand any of that to be saved. All I have to know to be saved is that he is God. I'm a sinner. What steps do I take to change that? The gospel is not complicated. We complicate the gospel. We complicate God because we try to figure God out. And that's okay. We're supposed to try to learn his ways, but we don't need to overcomplicate the simplicity of the plan of salvation that he laid out for you and I so that we don't have to be lost, so that we don't have to live a life in bondage. He made it simple for us to follow, and I like simple. It's really three simple steps. The first one is realization and acceptance. The first thing you have to do is realize you need a Savior. You may think, man, my life is great. I don't know why I need a Savior. Well, I'm here to tell you why you need a Savior. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned. And I think the last time I dissected the word all, it just means all. It just means everything, everyone. Everybody is a sinner. We've all fallen short of God's grace. And so the first step is just realizing, accepting, you know what? I do need God. I do need a Savior. I do need a Redeemer. Here's the thing. Your past doesn't matter. Your failures don't matter. Here's something else. Your wins in life carry no extra privileges. Your successes in this world don't earn you a different color star when you approach the throne. When we come to God, we all come the same way. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So you may think your neighbor is awesome and they never do anything wrong. But when they need to find Christ, they got to find him exactly like you do. Right? The best person in, your, in the world has to find Christ just like the worst person does. It's simple. And when we stand before him, we all share the same common things. We're all broken. We were born broken. We live broken. And we need a healing. And he has always been and always will be the answer. He has always been and always will be the answer. You have to, the second thing you have to do is you have to trust in this promise. Romans 10, 13. Everyone. The last time I did a word dissection of this word, it still came out as everyone. <laughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise you got to hold on to. If he said, I've come to give you life, if he said this promise is to you and to your children, it's to as many as the Lord our God will call, and if he says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, then that's the promise we live by. We're here to help you know Christ, and by knowing him is to recognize that you're a sinner and you need him and confess those sins to, to him and say, you know what? You are God, and you, I need you to be Lord of my life. That is as simple as it is. There are a couple of action steps, and they're not complicated. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said this to the people that were asking, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound complicated to anyone? It's not complicated at all. It's simple. He's God. I'm not. I'm broken. He's not. I would like him to fix me because I need it. And then I just simply follow the steps, and there I am. And then I get to live in this new life that awakens. I get to live a life of victory because I can change from who I have been into the person that God intended for me. Man, this is great. I got to tell you, my favorite Sundays around here are baptism Sundays. How many know what I'm talking about? The 25th of this month, two weekends from now. We're going to have Baptism Sunday again. And if you haven't followed those simple steps, then guess what? You're going to be able to follow those simple steps. We're going to have a big tank set up right here in the front, and there's people that have already signed up. And if you have not been baptized and you want to be baptized, uh, Laura, please stand. Tawana, please stand. Pastor Scott, you can stand. Come talk to one of these three people or add myself to the list. You can talk to me. If you want to be baptized in a couple of weeks, come talk to us. Let us do this with you because this is a moment following these simple steps. Repent. I've, I realize that I need a Savior. I'm going to be baptized in his name and go public with my faith. That's what happens. And let me tell you something. Those Sundays are amazing because we get to see life change right before our eyes. It's awesome. It's fantastic. So we exist here for this moment to help people find Jesus.